Welcome to a special bonus episode of Nerd Out at Spotify. We had so much to talk about with Google's Kelsey Hightower that we couldn't fit it all in just one episode. So enjoy this quick bonus where Kelsey shares his tips for speaking at conferences. You've consistently delivered really great conference talks and whether they're live demos or just talking about things. And I think a lot of us have watched you, I'll say grow, but I mean, you were always good, but have just watched over the years from like the first KubeCons in the early times to where you are today. Can you talk a little bit about both kind of the process that you've gone through and how you've been able to be this good consistently always on any stage? I think about my speaking progression. When I started doing conference talks, I felt that I had to do it like everyone else. You got to have the slide decks. You got to have the speaker notes. You got to be spitting facts. You got to stick to that and that's it. And then what I realized is that when I watch other people talk, I don't want much of any of that. I actually want to know what this person thinks on a subject. I'd rather them be wrong with an opinion than be right with a bunch of facts I could have got from a website. And so I decided that, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to make sure I only talk about things that I actually care about that I'm actually convinced of or have a real opinion about. And then what also what I'm going to do is I'm going to compose my entire talk like a live jazz set. So the demos are code that I've completed, pain that I've gone through to do all the integration work. And then if I'm confident that it works, I can just put it there. It's like a piano. The song I'm going to play is up to me. I can show more of the first part. If people are really responding to a part of the demo, I can go deeper. I can bring it back later on. But it gives me this freedom on stage to actually do the other part of any great presentation, which is establish some connection with the audience. And I started to learn that it's much better to have a story than just show people a bunch of technical bits. Why are you writing code like this? What happens if I were to use gRPC? It isn't just a better, more efficient on-the-wire protocol. That's pretty boring. That's factual. But what's the story behind it? And so what I got more comfortable doing was just telling the stories. In this environment, I had this situation, and here's one way you could solve it. And you show it and people laugh. And you say, but we're not going to do that because that would be bad, right? And now people are like, there's a story. Now we're going to actually take this story and go deeper with it. And so now it's me and the audience. And when I look at people in that audience, I'm making eye contact. I'm really trying to understand what they feel. And you watch people just lean forward. And then so overall, I started to work a bit more on the storytelling component. Can I recreate that environment that made me feel like this was worth talking about? And when the answer is yes, I think those are the talks people remember. They're like, wow, this is not what I was expecting, but I'm glad that this is what I got. And is that just reps? Or was there kind of concrete points you went through to develop the storytelling to get to the point that you're comfortable enough to be looking around the audience for eye contact and for reactions for all the things you listed? Yeah, I think it just came out of necessity. I literally got tired of trying to rehearse. Like rehearsing a talk, you can do it. And I've seen people do it and they do it well. But I'm, I wanted to just be more free. I just wanted to be more freestyle. So what I did was just say, I remember there was one KubeCon. It's probably one of the last KubeCon talks I did. I was like, no demos, no computer, no laptop, just story. Could I pull it off? Can I still do a talk without my crutches? Because at that point, the demo is a great tool. If anything else isn't working, if the demo is cool, it's probably going to be a pretty decent talk. And so I just realized that I'm going to have to do all the storytelling elements. I'm going to have to be able to make all the connections. There's no laptop behind, hide behind. There's no demo to dazzle the crowd. It's just going to have to be story. 
But what I realized is that we're actually, as humans, we're pretty good at storytelling when we're comfortable, right? If you had to tell someone what happened, you like you set the whole scene up, that you got to pay attention to their body language, like, where were you exactly? You do all the right things. You tell them the street signs, you tell them everything. And so I just started doing that. The same way I would talk to my friend group, I just talked like that on stage. And so I just got more comfortable with that. So I think it's really a part where you're comfortable. And I would say this, the audience also has to give you permission. It feels like some audiences, they only want the facts. So it's a bit harder to pull this off. And this is why I started doing keynotes only. I remember on Twitter, I was like, I'm done doing the technical track, deep dive on Kubernetes internals. I don't want to do that anymore. I'd rather throw that on GitHub, let you read about it. But keynotes are like everyone's in the same room. High level marketing, people that are engineers, low level. So you have to give a talk that appeals to everybody at the same time. So I felt like that was the perfect environment. And I felt like the people in the audience gave me permission to do it that way. Yeah, I think it's really amazing just listening to you talk about that because so much of what you said, I think, is very counterintuitive to how someone else would look at it. You called demos a crutch. And I think with most people I talk to when they're creating presentations for big conferences, they're scared of their demo. They have to get just the right demo and it has to work and everything has to be right. And then you ended by saying only doing keynotes. And I think with most people I know, the thing they're most scared of is this place, everyone's in their room, just a room with as much as 10,000 people in it. And you said, demos are a crutch and the room with 10,000 people is better for me. Yeah, because so here's a problem I think people have with demos. They script out the demo to be so rigid. They rehearse every step working perfectly. And on stage, when one thing goes slightly wrong, the latency is a little high because you're on conference Wi-Fi and the thing doesn't return or it times out, then the person just lost. They're done. They're like, oh, this wasn't supposed to happen. I scripted it out to be exactly these commands and it's not working. Now I'm done. I don't approach demos that way. I approach them just like this live instrument. I can do whatever I want with it. If the network connection times out, I can flip my screen as if nothing happened and say, here's what it looks like now that this container's in the registry. Of course, I push it up before here just in case. And so I always think about it as I have so many ways that I can go with this thing because if it breaks, then maybe we switch to live debug and I open up the code and say, all right, let's look at this really quickly. Oh, I see the issue. And then just tell a story about an issue like this that had taken down production before. And then you get right back on track and you keep moving because most people want you to win. But the reason why it feels like a crutch is because you know a good demo tends to get a decent response. And you can probably like pull back on the content. You can probably pull back on the story and just have this fancy demo. So for me, I'm like, hey, the demo is just a piece, but there has to be a bigger story on top. And you have to put as much effort in the story as you put in the demo. Yep. There's one time I got a round of applause doing a presentation and it was this KubeCon in Valencia and my demo failed at one point. And then I recovered it when I did the same thing a second time and had a slightly different setup and it worked. And whatever I've done before, I'll be telling a story, I'll have a great demo, I'll whatever. It's just a story. People listen, I try to engage. And this one time, because the demo didn't work, but then did because I fixed it on stage was a thing that got a round of applause from the entire room. <laughs> because it's real and then it's a cliffhanger. Is it going to be able to fix it? Oh, he's going to try to... F- Ooh, it's working. And they're along for the ride as well. So yeah, it feels like this is a natural response when you see someone succeed. Yeah, exactly. And it's certainly not 
a thing you think. I mean, if I was scripting it, I certainly would have thought, oh, I should fail this. I should make it not work because then everyone will pay more attention to the rest of the presentation. But you're completely right. I'll tell you one of the moments where I'm so glad that I was well rehearsed on being spontaneous. I'm at Google Cloud, maybe 2018, San Francisco. And this is like when containers are just at the peak of all the talk. And the stage is humongous. Maybe there's 10, 15,000 people in the auditorium, 35,000 people at the conference. And the marketing team was like, yo, you know, where's your script? Where's your speaker notes? And where's your slides? I was like, I, I, don't, I don't have any of those. And so when I came on stage, the teleprompter said ad lib. And we came out of these containers. They just rotated. And then there we were facing this entire crowd. And I'm building an app from scratch. And you're building the app, you connect the database, you deploy it to Kubernetes. And I think I was showing off our serverless stack. And I had this thing where this part was pre-scripted. I put an answer or question on Stack Overflow about how to build a production-grade cloud function. And I had one of my colleagues paste my answer. Like, here's the code. So my goal was that during the live demo, I was like, hey, if you're a developer, I'm going to give you one trick. All of us senior developers, we go to Stack Overflow to get our answers. And so people were just like, okay, this is funny. But I had a new computer that they made me set up for the event. And so when I went to go and copy and paste the code, all of these pop-ups were getting in front of my cursor. And I swear it felt like an eternity. But I'm sitting there and I'm trying to like copy and paste, but I can't get my cursor in the right spot. I didn't even think about the keyboard shortcuts or anything. So it's embarrassing. I'm sitting there in front of all of these people. I'm about seven minutes in, got four or five minutes to go. And here I am about to just crap out on copying and pasting. And eventually it worked. And I'm sweating a little bit. I'm looking at the audience and they're like, what now? And I said, it just came to me. I said, I highlighted everything. I said, good developers copy. I went to them and said, great developers paste. And everyone started laughing. <laughs> and then I was right back on track. And I was like, man, I'm so glad. And everyone was like, did you, did you script that part in? I was like, no, totally spontaneous. But I'm using that one again. That's great. The last thing on this, I wanted to ask you, literally this morning, I was reviewing proposals for talks for KubeCon because I'm on the program committee. I'm curious, when you see proposals, how do you recognize a great talk? I try to look for new perspectives, number one. I think a lot of times people are like trying to look for an authority. Who is this person and why are they qualified to give a talk? You can do that. But I think this is why we end up with the same set of repeat speakers over and over again. Number one thing I'm looking for is a new perspective. I want to hear someone say, in this context, here's how I'm using this thing. And here's what I would like to share for other people. And here's the takeaways they should get from that. The more I see that, I'm like, yo, this has a chance to be really great. In order to give a talk like that, you actually have to have experience. You actually have to have tried something, probably have failed. And then you finally found that balance, that sweet spot. So this is why a lot of people love when like a, company like Spotify shows up and says, here's what we're doing in production, because you know that there's going to be that little bit of context in there about the journey you've gone through. So the first thing I look for is, is there a new perspective being shared? If it's a new perspective, that raises really high to the list for me, just because like, if it's something I haven't seen it yet, and I've seen a lot, then I think it's going to appeal to a wide range of people as well. And so I guess from the creating that proposal point of view, it goes back to what you were saying. Don't say, I know these facts and I'm going to say them. I've done this thing. It's a story and ideally a new perspective that comes from that story. And then you've got a good talk and a good proposal. Yeah, for those listening, then, you know, like a place like KubeCon gets tens of thousands of proposals sometimes. And 
if you're just stating facts, then your facts look like the next person's facts. And it's like, how do I decide between the two or three people? So you just get in a weird situation. But when the ones really feel like, wow, this person is about to bring something to the stage I don't think anyone's ever seen before. It just makes me say, well, if we're going to have a Kafka talk, this is going to be the one. Thanks again to Kelsey for nerding out with us at Spotify Studios in Stockholm. Next time on Nerd Out at Spotify, the first episode in our series on machine learning. Follow and subscribe to make sure to catch it.